informed, and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. And welcome to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Today is Ascension Thursday, May 18th, 2023. The Feast of St. Theodotus of Anxiria. He was born in the capital of Galatia, now Anakara, Turkey, which was was raised by his virtuous Christian aunt, Vescusa. He became an innkeeper known for his hospitality, respect, and charity. In the face of persecution, he sought the remains of seven martyred virgins, including his aunt, who were cast into a lake. With the help of heaven, a storm and a noble warrior appeared, intimidating the guards and allowing Theodotus to retrieve the bodies. The news of these miracles spread, leading to his imprisonment and brutal torture. Ultimately, he was beheaded, but his body remained untouched by fire through a miraculous fiery globe. An old man disguised as a priest rescued the body, and an angel guided it to a burial site indicated by the old man. Before his execution, Theodotus uttered a prayer, and soon after his death, the persecution ended. This extraordinary life marked the closing of a glorious era of martyrs in the Eastern Catholic Church and demonstrated the power of divine intervention amidst human wickedness. St. Theodotus, pray for us. And happy Ascension Thursday. Praise be to God. I hope you are having a blessed Ascension Thursday. I hope you are being able to get off of work even just for a little bit to make it to Holy Mass on this day. And uh, joining us right now is our producer, Tito Edwards. Good morning to you, Tito. Good morning, Adrian. Yes, today is Ascension Thursday. Those of you that can make it to Mass, even if it's not recognized as a feast day, please uh, do approach your priest afterwards and recommend, highly recommend to him to talk to the bishop and change the calendar to moving the feast day back to Ascension Thursday. Absolutely. It's Ascension Thursday is a amazing feast, so amazing, in fact, that all day today, we talk about bad news all day, every day. Uh, bad news, bad news, bad news. Today, it's going to be dedicated to talking about the Ascension. So it'll be a wonderful and holy day uh, not because I have anything interesting to say, but because I have a lot to share with you. In fact, coming up in the next hour, I'm going to share with you a sermon from St. Vincent Ferrer, who is one of my favorite saints of all time. He has an amazing sermon on the Ascension where he explains the Ascension. And I think it's pretty amazing because for those who don't know, St. Vincent Ferrer, he was well known for having tons of miracles. Like He had more miracles than probably any other saint ever. And he also had visions, and he had talked to the saints. It was pretty darn amazing, if I have to say so myself. So I love, I, I love his sermons. I love his sermons. In fact, I, I read a lot of his sermons on my personal podcast, Catholic Conversations. Whenever I get a chance, I'll, I'll read those to you. But today, I'm going to make sure I make it to Holy Mass. I'm going to be at Holy Mass probably this evening, if I had to guess. And then, um, yeah, so it'll be a good time. If you are in a diocese that has moved Ascension Thursday to Sunday, well, may I recommend to you that you attend the traditional Latin Mass, find a traditional Latin Mass parish near you, and then you can just go to Latin Mass tw- or go to the Ascension Thursday twice. Yes. Because every, every Latin Mass community uh, that I know of is having Ascension Thursday on Thursday, 
And uh, so then you could uh, go to Ascension Thursday today, and you could go to Mass on Sunday. Uh, otherwise, you're going to have a different readings for, for today versus Sunday. If you, uh, if you go to Mass today and it's, they move the feast, then they're not doing that feast today. It's really confusing. We'll talk about it throughout the show today, all these things and much more coming up. In this hour, I'm going to share with you a uh, article I read on Ascension Thursday from New Liturgical Movement on some customs of Ascension Thursday. Did you know there are certain foods that were eaten, were traditionally eaten, ate, ate, eaten? Nice. Uh, on Ascension Thursday. I was unaware of that. So we're going to talk about that coming up in this hour. We're also going to talk about the octave of the Ascension. Did you know that Ascension used to be an octave? Uh, many people did not. Many people did not. So all these things we're going to be talking about today coming up in this hour. So you're going to want to join us. It's going to be a great show. But let's begin in prayer, as is our custom. We're going to be praying for your intentions. Whatever it is that you have going on in your life, we're going to be praying for those intentions. For our friends, family, and benefactors, and all those that we promise to pray for, we're praying for those intentions. And that everyone is able to celebrate the Feast of the Ascension in the most worthy manner that they can. We pray for this as well. We're going to pray the Subtuum Presidium, which is an ancient prayer of uh, dedicated to the Blessed Virgin Mary that was written at least at the at the absolute latest in the third century, but it's probably written a lot earlier than that, to be honest. So we'll pray that prayer together in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Subtuum Presidium Confugimus Sancta Dei Genitrix Nostras Deprecationes Nedespicias Inesitativus. Sed periculis cuntis, libra nos semper virgo gloriosa et benedicta. We fly to thy protection, O holy mother of God. Despise not our petitions and our necessities, but deliver us always from all dangers, O glorious and blessed virgin. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now your headline news with Tito Edwards. Thank you, Adrian. Good morning. You are listening to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Today is Ascension Thursday, May 18th, Anno Domini 2023. And these are your headlines. The Daily Wire is reporting North Carolina Republicans override Democratic governor's veto on abortion ban. North Carolina Republicans voted to override the Governor, governor Roy Cooper's veto of, of a 12-week abortion ban using their supermajority to put the pro-life measure into law. The law, called the Care for Women, Children, and Families Act, bans abortions after 12 weeks with exceptions for rape or incest until 20 weeks and fetal abnormalities until 24 weeks. LifeSide is reporting Trump distances himself from a six-week abortion ban signed by DeSantis, calling it too harsh. Questions continue as, how, as to how strongly pro-life Trump would be in a second term. In an interview with The Messenger, Trump exhibits how strongly he was pro-choice for most of his life as a liberal celebrity, but had a generally pro-life record in office. How would he approach abortion in a hypothetical second term? CatholicCulture.org is reporting Pope Francis at a general audience pays tribute to St. Francis Xavier. In a world in which there are so many people who need Jesus, St. Francis Xavier is an exemplary model of how to live and share the gospel with zeal. Pope Francis said yesterday the Pope dedicated his entire general audience to sharing the story of the daring 16th century saint who risked his life to travel to what was then considered the unknown ends of the world. Pope Francis said that St. Francis Xavier is considered the greatest missionary of modern times. And finally, 
Breitbart News is reporting Bud Light sales continue to collapse for the CNN of beers. Nationwide sales of Bud Light crashed 23.3% during the week of April 29th compared to the same week last year. Anheuser-Busch is facing something much worse than a boycott and it's affecting the beleaguered company's other brands. Bump Williams, chief executive of Bump Williams Consulting, the outfit that tracks these numbers, told the New York Post, quote, this seems to be where the brand's weekly declines have started to settle, falling in that negative 20% range over the past few weeks, end quote. To understand how big a revenue decline that 23.3% drop is, last year's sales of Bud Light hit 4.8 billion. Lop, 20%, 23% off that $4.8 billion, and you're looking at a billion dollar with a capital B loss. Those are your headlines this morning. God bless you all. The Gospel of the Day comes from John chapter 16, verses 16 through 20. After a little while, you will see me no longer. And again, after a little while, you will have sight of me, because I am going back to the Father. Upon this, some of his disciples said to one another, What does this mean that he is saying to us? After a little while you will see me, no longer. And again, after a little while you will have sight of me. And then, because I am going back to my father? What is this little while he speaks of? They asked. We cannot understand what he means by it. Jesus, knowing that they were eager to question him, said to them, you are wandering among yourselves over what I have been saying. After a little while, you will see me no longer, and again after a little while, you will have sight of me. Believe me when I tell you this. You will weep and lament while the world rejoices. You will be distressed, but your distress shall be turned into joy. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. A lot of really great stuff from Cornelius Halopidae about this passage here. Commenting on verse 16, After a little while you shall see me, and in a little while you shall not see me. And he says here, Because I go back to the Father. For in a few hours I shall die on the cross and be buried. But in three days I shall rise again and manifest myself to you with great joy. For I shall shortly afterwards ascend into heaven and sit at the right hand of the Father. For I shall not be detained by death, but shall conquer it in my own person, and with you overcome it also. I shall abide with you for forty days only, and then after my ascension you will see me no more. Then after another little time you will see me again in the day of judgment and the general resurrection." when I shall take you both in body and soul into heaven with myself. I will bless and glorify you, for I go to my Father to reign with him in glory until that time. And this whole period, though one of many thousand years, is but like a small point compared with the eternity of God. Now, he says this here, and I think it's very worthy of meditation to think about a little time, and you will see me again. Why? Because, of course, you may say, okay, that makes sense. A little while, he dies. Three days later, he's risen from the dead. He will see me again. But the time between now and the day of judgment seems like a very long time. But remember, our particular judgment, when we will see Christ face to face and we will be judged, is only in a little time. Especially in the grand scheme of things. We may live, what, 80 years, 100 years, 
if we're lucky, maybe 115 years, if we're, we've extended it out as far as we can. But in the grand scheme of things, that's not very long. And we will see Christ one day. And so it's an important to meditate upon this wonderful poem. Life is short. Death is sure. The hour of death remains obscure. A soul you have and only one. If that is lost, all hope is gone. It's important to keep that in mind, the forefront of our mind, lest we sin and lose eternal life. Now he says here on verse 20, Verily, verily, I say unto you that you shall weep and lament, but the world shall rejoice. You shall be sorrowful, but your sorrow shall be turned into joy. Understand by this that the joy of the world will be changed into sorrow, says Rupertus. But St. Chrysostom, Cyril, Leonidas, Theophocat, and others explain this of our Lord's suffering and death which will cause just sorrow to you and rejoicing to the Jews and of his resurrection on the third day at which the Jews will be sorrowful and full of indignation at my victory over them. But in a secondary sense, he intended to signify the like sufferings that they would have to endure for his sake. So says St. Augustine, Bede, and Maldontis. He explains the sufferings which the apostles would have to undergo in preaching the faith at which the world will rejoice and of the eternal blessedness that they would afterwards enjoy with him. Morally speaking, Holy Scripture frequently teaches that the righteous suffer adversities in this life, and that the ungodly exult in their prosperity. Daily experiences teaches us the same. But Scripture teaches us also that the godly are happy, and the wicked are sorrowful as their death. It is difficult, nay impossible, for anyone to enjoy his good things both here and hereafter, to feel his belly here and his soul there, to pass from delight to delight, to be the first in both worlds, to appear high in glory both in heaven and in earth. Accordingly, Tertullian, commenting with elegance and tenderness of these words, thus writes, This is ordered in turns. Now they rejoice, we are in conflict. The world will rejoice, but we will be sorrowful. Let us mourn while the heathens rejoice that we may rejoice when they begin to mourn, lest if we now rejoice with them, we shall then also mourn with them. Thou art over nice, O Christian, if thou desirest pleasure in this world, also most foolish if thou considerest it pleasure. And again, tell me, pray tell me, cannot we live without pleasure, since we must die without it? For what else is our wish than that of the apostles, to depart out of this world and to be received with the Lord? Let's meditate upon this today, especially on Ascension Thursday. Let's store up treasures in heaven rather than here on earth. We'll be right back with more right after this. Hey, Donnie, what do we say when we make the sign of the cross? In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Did Mama teach you that? As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever noticed what happens when you try to keep up with the current fashions? You go nuts. When we are obsessed with keeping up with the times, we become slaves. Fashions are never settled. To chase something that is always changing is simply futile. It's not freedom, it's insanity. G.K. Chesterton says... 
the Catholic Church is the only thing that saves a man from the degrading slavery of being a child of his age. Christianity is always out of fashion because it's always sane, and fashions are always insane. The Catholic Church never has to worry about being behind the times because it is beyond the times. Want more than a minute? Visit our website, chesterton.org. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. We're celebrating Ascension Thursday today, so praise be to God for that. Ascension Thursday. There's a lot of really great things to talk about on this great feast day. Now, I want to talk a little bit about Holy Days of Obligation a little bit. There's a great article out by Catholic Answers on Holy Days of Obligation that I want to go through a little bit. And then I want to talk about the Ascension a little bit as well. There's a lot of very interesting things because it kind of it's kind of heartbreaking to me, to be honest, whenever we look at the Holy Days of Obligation and we see how few there are. Now, this article, What Are the Holy Days of Obligation, is written by Jimmy Aiken back in 2013. He says that here that uh, the Code of Canon Law spells out when the Holy Days of Obligation are on the universal calendar. It says, Canon 1246, subsection 1, Sunday on which the apostolic tradition, the Paschal mystery celebrated, must be observed in the universal church as the primordial holy day of obligation. The following days must also be observed. The nativity of our Lord Jesus Christ, the epiphany, the ascension, the body and blood of Christ, which is a Corpus Christi, Holy Mary, Mother of God, her Immaculate Conception, her Assumption, the Feast of St. Joseph, the Feast of St. Peter's and Paul, and the Feast of All Saints. So that's ten Holy Days obligation that are celebrated in the Vatican, and also there are some other ones that are um, regional. Regional, but Canon Law goes on in twelve forty six subsection two, with the prior approval of the Apostolic See. However, the Conference of Bishops can suppress some of the Holy Days of obligation or transfer them to a Sunday. So we start off with ten, and now we uh, reduce them. So in Canada, they see the country with the fewest number of Holy Days obligations seems to be Hong Kong, which only has one. That's Christmas. Canada has two, Christmas and Mary, Mother of God. The United States, by contrast, has a fairly robust eight holy days of obligation, though two of the three have been transferred to Sunday, depending on where you live. So the ones that we have in the U.S. are Mary, Mother of God, which is always celebrated January 1st. But if this occurs on a Saturday or a Monday, they have dispensed you of the obligation. Epiphany, which is permanently on the first Sunday after January 1st. Ascension Thursday which is celebrated on different days depending on the ecclesiastical province you live in. Some do it on the traditional date. Some do it on the sixth week of Easter. Others do it on the seventh Sunday after Easter. And the body of Christ, the body and blood of Christ, Corpus Christi, has been permanently moved to the second Sunday after Pentecost. The Assumption of Mary is always celebrated on August 15th, unless it ends on a Saturday or, Sunday, or a Monday, then they, do, they get rid of the obligation. All Saints Day, same thing. It's always never first. But if it occurs on Saturday or Monday, there's no obligation to go to Mass. And the Immaculate Conception of Mary is always on December 8th, unless it's on a Sunday, and then they move it, I think. And then Christmas is always on December 25th. And Easter is always on Easter Sunday, so it's a Sunday, so that's not, not a problem. So those are the Holy Days of Obligation now. We have only a few. And I want to go through this article, however, by Brian Kelly with Catholicism.org. 
It's titled Ascension Thursday. It was published in 2019. It says here, Ascension Thursday is one of the six holy days of obligation, not counting all Sundays in the United States. I'm assuming they say six because the other two always have been, are like permanently on Sundays. And so it's like, it's always the case that it's on a Sunday. So it's not anything different from every other Sunday. And although most dioceses have now transferred it to the following Sunday, canon law has relegated the holy days to local bishops or provincial synodal decisions. There are actually, as of 1993, only seven states in the United States that still celebrates Ascension on Thursday rather than following Sunday. Now, this was uh, published in 2019, so maybe it's less, maybe it's more today. I don't know. Uh, I'll be curious. Let me know if you celebrate Ascension Thursday today or if you had it moved. And if you wanted to go to Ascension Thursday today, my recommendation is go to the traditional Latin Mass. I was surprised to find that Hawaii and Canada have only two holy days of obligation, Christmas and Immaculate Conception and the, for the former and the Christmas and the Solemnity for the Mother of God for the latter. Nevertheless, although not only not a holy day of obligation in New Hampshire because of its transferal to the following Sunday, it is very important feast for the universal church. It marks the completion of our Lord's saving work on earth and it anticipates the coming of the Holy Ghost 10 days after. Our Lord remained on earth for 40 days after his resurrection before ascending to his father. During this time, he appeared 12 times to his apostles and or disciples, instructing them and preparing them for the coming of the paraclete in his fullness. In the cynical after rising, he appeared to the apostles and gave them the power of the Holy Ghost so that they could forgive sins. The gospel can be a little hard to follow sequentially in their account of the resurrection, that is an issue that Brother Andre has written about extensively. What I found intriguing is the account of the resurrection is that no one believed it until they saw Jesus with their own eyes. And this, even though he had spoken to the apostles in his passion and resurrection four times, they would not even believe to those whom he had appeared. Our Lord was not pleased. In fact, when he did appear to them all together in the upper room, he upbraided them with their incredulity, incredulity and hardness of heart, because they did not believe them who had seen him after he was risen again. Take Mary Magdalene, for example. She and a few other holy women saw the empty tomb and two angels, albeit in the form of a young man sitting in a sepulcher. The angels told the woman that Jesus is not there. He has risen. And he said that he would. Yet they did not believe the angels. Or if they did, it was weakly so. They were in such a state of stupor for... A trembling and fear had seized them. Mary Magdalene, even after receiving the news from the angel, still asked the gardener who had asked her why she wept. Sir, if thou hast taken him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. It was then that Jesus revealed himself to her. Mark's gospel ends with the word about the ascension, but just in one sentence. More details given in Acts. Now Mark is called the interpreter of Peter, so we will see the personality of Peter in his, this disciple's gospel more than the others. Notice the emphasis on baptism on the end of the gospel. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be condemned. Do we need an interpreter? Are the words not clear enough? This is the Savior's last will and testament, so to speak. This is his commandment and his commission to the twelve. Go ye into the whole world and preach the gospel to every creature. The word certainly struck St. Peter. Jesus meant what he said. 
And though the apostles wavered even as he saw the empty tomb, still in his heart Peter believed. To whom shall we go, Lord? He had confessed after our Lord's challenged to his challenging sermon on the Eucharist. Thou hast the words of eternal life. And these are the signs that Jesus promised, as recorded in Mark's gospel, that will be given to those who believe. In my name they shall cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues, they shall take up serpents, and if they shall drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay their hands upon the sick, and they shall recover. Peter spoke in tongues, cast out demons, healed the sick. Why, his very shadow healed, as we read in Acts 5.15. In his travels, perhaps, he was given even poison, or like St. Paul, was bitten by a serpent. He certainly tread on serpents in the moral sense. Finally, let us turn to the account in Ascension and Acts. They, therefore, who were come together, asked him, saying, Lord, will thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? But he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or moments which the Father hath given me in his power. But you shall receive the power of the Holy Ghost coming upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the uttermost parts of the world. And when he had said these things with it, while they looked on, he was raised up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they were beholding him going up to heaven, behold, two men stood by them in white garments, who also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand you looking up to heaven? This Jesus who is taken up from you into heaven shall so come, as you have seen him going into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from this mount that is called Olivet, which is nigh Jerusalem, when it is then a Sabbath day's journey. Acts 1, 7-12 Ye men of Galilee, why stand you looking up to heaven, as if to say, You have to get to work? You are sent. Ite misa est. Go, you are sent. Get you down and pray and prepare to receive the Holy Ghost. Then go and set the world on fire. And I love the, the phrase, go set the world on fire, because uh, that is the mission of the Dominican order. You think about St. Dominic. St. Dominic, the hound of the Lord, his mother, Blessed Jane, she had a vision of a child, of the child in his womb, bursting from his wo her womb as a dog with a torch in his mouth, which came to be meant, known to be meant, as St. As Dominic, the Holy Father St. Dominic, bursting from the womb of his mother, with a torch in his mouth to light the world on fire with the fire of Christ. Cool. And so the Dominicans do. And so the Dominicans do today. Unto this day, they light the world on fire with the fire of Christ. It's a very beautiful thing to see, which is why there's a joke. It's uh, the Franciscans follow St. Francis and the Dominicans follow Jesus. Uh, it's a little, little uh, inter-religious <laughs> joke that they got there. But it, there's something beautiful there because our Lord has commanded us to go into the world. So what will we do? How will we respond? Will we navel gaze? Will we look up into the sky and be like, oh, yeah, God's in heaven. How nice. Oh, it's nice for me to have my beliefs. Oh, I like that I believe. I like learning more about my faith. But do you share it? Do you evangelize? Do you proselytize? This is the mission that we have. Ite misa est. Ye men of Galilee, why stand you looking up to heaven? This is not our calling. Our calling is not to just stare into the sky. Our calling is to go out into every corner of the world and to teach ye all nations. Every single one of us. None of us are exempted from this task. Not one of us. He says, this Jesus who is taken up from heaven 
shall so come, and you have seen him going into heaven. And so we see this. And so we know that in the apocalypse, as St. John tells us, there will be a second coming. We pray this in the Nicene Creed. Many people are shocked by this, the, the second coming of Christ. You know that Christ will come again, and we will be reunited with our bodies. And for those in heaven, it will be a great rejoicing. We will be reunited to our bodies, and our souls will tell our bodies, praise be to God, for it was us together, my body and my soul composite that made it to heaven. Thank you for resisting temptation. Thank you for not falling into every carnal pleasure. But those, the souls, the damned will hate their body, will reject their body, will curse their body and say, it is your fault. It is your fault, body, that you caused me to sin, that you had to go with every pleasure of the world. You could not resist not one temptation. You could not bridle your passions. And so together we go down into Gehenna where there'll be wailing of gnashing of teeth and the worm dieth not. Something to meditate upon. Thing to meditate upon, especially at the ascension, because we know that it'll be bodies in heaven. Our Lord's body is already there. So those who say that heaven is just some spiritual reality, it's just a state of being that cannot be so. For at the very least, there are two bodies in heaven, the body of our Lord Jesus Christ and the body of the most immaculate Virgin Mary, our mother. So let that be a hope for us, that we too may have our bodies in heaven one day, so let us strive for that end. Let's strive for that goal. When we come back, uh, some more about Ascension Thursday. How about the Liturgy of Ascension Thursday? What do you know about the Liturgy of Ascension Thursday? may not know much. I know I didn't. I'm reading about this. And did you know there are traditional foods that are associated with Ascension Thursday? I didn't. We're going to talk about that when we come back right after this. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Many committed Christians hold to this axiom. If it's in the Bible, I believe it, and that settles it. Well, here you go. 1 Timothy 2 states the following about women as related to church life. No braiding the hair, no gold jewelry, no pearls. Just learn in silence and do not teach. Does your pastor comply with these biblical instructions? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, an unpleasant fact. Many self-proclaimed Bible-only churches, sadly, will pick and choose what parts of the Bible are implemented in the life of the church. Secondly, Catholic catechism. Be especially attentive to, quote, the content and unity of the whole scripture. And thirdly, a tough comeback. In order to understand the sacred author's intention, we must take into account culture, audience, and the literary genre. So if your Bible-only church does not strictly obey those instructions, then tell me the reason why. Well, we know, you know, 80% of your church is handled by women. So with those instructions in force, many women will leave your church, maybe even the pastor's wife. Ouch. I don't know why I turned on my radio because I've kept my radio off for years. And once I turned it on, I was absolutely hooked. I love the shows with the Catholic apologists. I love the shows with the sort of day-to-day psychologist, Greg and Lisa Popchek. I love hearing not just of other people's problems who call in, but I love getting the Catholic take on how to deal with day-to-day reality. The Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. Today is Ascension Thursday, May 18th, the year of our Lord, 2023. And these are your headlines for this morning. The National Catholic Register and CatholicCulture.org is reporting of value movers relocating to escape anti-Christian climates in America. 
value movers, families who are relocating to find homes in areas that are more conducive to Christian living. These value movers are leaving states where the political climate is hostile to the faith and looking for supportive communities elsewhere, at least partially motivated by a desire to both escape an adverse social cultural situation and also put down roots among those who share similar convictions. LifeSide is reporting Mark Huck tells Congress that Biden FBI raid was meant to instill fear in pro-life America. Ask why he was targeted by Biden's DOJ, Hawk said that he believes the intention was to humiliate me, to scare my children, and, st- and to instill fear in pro-life America. Mark Hawk, the pro-life Catholic father of seven, who was subjected to a guns-drawn early morning raid by the Biden administration's FBI last year before he was fully acquitted of felony charges in January, said he was blessed to be able to share his testimony with lawmakers on the Republican-led U.S. House Judiciary Committee two days ago. LifeSide is reporting California must pay churches $1.4 million for trying to make them fund abortions. Judges rule, this is a significant victory for the churches we represent, the conscience rights of their members and other religious organizations. Two federal courts have ruled against the California government over its efforts to force churches to subsidize elective abortions with state officials agreeing to pay these religious institutions $1.4 million in legal fees. And finally, the Daily Wire is reporting, former U.S. Attorney General William Barr said during an interview this week that Special Counsel John Durham's report on the origins of the FBI's investigation into former President Donald Trump vindicated the former president, and that Trump was right from the beginning about what the left was trying to do to him. Durham's report found that the FBI had no evidence to support launching this investigation and found sobering differences in how the FBI approached the Trump probe compared to other politically sensitive allegations, investigations. Barr further stated, I have nothing personal against him, and there's no, I have no antipathy toward him at all, Barr said, but I just don't think he's the right leader for the Republican Party going forward. I am Tito Edwards, and these are today's headlines through a Catholic lens. Thank you, Tito, for keeping us up to date. You know, I was thinking about Ascension Thursday, and, you know, one thing that I saw that I found very interesting, I was reading the Catholic Encyclopedia on the Central Thursday, and it said that this was one of the ecumenical feasts. And you're thinking, okay, what does that mean? Well, the word ecumenical literally refers to universal. And so it refers to universal, meaning that every single Christian in the world celebrated the Ascension Thursday. It is one of the feasts that is listed right there with the passion of Easter and a Pentecost. A very, very important uh, situations that we have there. Very important feast day we have there. And notice what's not listed there. Christmas. Christmas isn't listed there. Christmas, interesting. even though we Americans, right? Isn't that interesting? Even though we Americans yeah. kind of see Christmas like the big Christian holiday, it's actually like number four or five on the list. It's not even top three. In terms of importance, the Passion, Easter, Pentecost, and Ascension Thursday are all of greater solemnity than Christmas. Isn't that wild? Yeah, that is wild. Ascension Thursday. But it, it does make sense, though. I mean, who can, who can fly? Who, who can ascend into heaven? O- only Jesus can. Only God can. Imagine being the disciples and some of the others around him when he, has, when he started to 
uh, ascend into heaven. That must have been a magnificent sight to behold as he went up, up, up and away until you could barely see a speck in the sky and then the cloud came over and covered him. So, yeah, yeah. that's beautiful. Yeah, and they had a uh, vigil for him as for a long time for the Ascension Thursday, and which would have been yesterday. And since the 15th century, an octave was created for that feast day and as a part from the preparation for Pentecost Novena in accordance with Leo XIII's directions. Now, the observance of this feast is of great antiquity, although no documentary evidence of its existence uh, exists prior to the beginning of the 5th century. St. Augustine says that it is of apostolic origin. So they're like, yeah, I mean, it's pretty old, but it's not that old. It started in the 5th century. That's only the 400s. It's like not that even, it's not even that old, guys. Yeah, barely older than Islam. Barely older than Islam. But St. Augustine actually testifies and says that this actually is of apostolic origin, meaning it was created by the apostles and the apostles celebrate Ascension Thursday, which would make sense to me because, I mean, if you're one of the apostles and you're there and you're like, whoa, and you're staring up and then an angel appears to you and tells you, hey, stop looking over here. Go get to work. You would think that that day would have been uh, observed all the way from the earliest days, right? That's right. I forgot an angel did appear because they kept gazing at the sky after he disappeared up there. That's amazing. Yeah, it would have made a big impression on me, too. Yeah, and it goes on and says, he speaks of it in a way that shows it was the universal observance of the church long before his time. Frequent mention of it is made in the writings of St. John Chrysostom, St. Gregory of Nyssa, and the Constitution of the Apostles. It says here, certain customs were connected with the liturgy of this feast, such as the blessings of, get this, of beans and grapes after the commemoration of the dead in the canon of the Mass, the blessings of first fruits afterwards done on rogation days, the blessings of a candle... And the wearing, here's an interesting one that I've, I'm, I want to, I'm curious to know if anybody knows more information about this. The wearing of mitres by deacons and subdeacons. That's interesting to me. Yeah. Because a mitre is a, is a, a hat. it's a hat that's only worn by bishops and the Pope. And so I wonder why on Ascension Thursday, deacons and subdeacons are given mitres to wear. That's very interesting. That's so cool. <laughs> I'd like to see something like that. I've never seen anything like that. It says here, the extinction of the Paschal Candle, the triumphal procession with torches and banners outside the churches to commemorate the entry of Christ into heaven. The rock, a rock records the English custom of carrying at the head of the procession the banner bearing the device of the lion and at the foot of the banner of the dragon to symbolize the triumph of Christ in his ascension over the evil one. In some churches, the scene of the ascension was vividly reproduced by elevating the figure of Christ above the altar, although an opening in the roof of the church and others, while the figure of Christ was made to ascend, that of the devil was made to descend. Now that's super cool. That's such a, I think that's a great idea to do in terms of um, a way to celebrate Ascension Thursday as setting up these almost like a, you know, it kind of reminds me of like a pinata. Yeah. Like, like a you, pinata. Yeah. You, you bring it. up the, uh, the Jesus yeah. and then you let down the devil. Yeah. And then you could just start, like, beating the devil. And I think that would be an interesting tradition. I, I wonder if, if at the – I'm sure you're aware, at the Pantheon on Pentecost, they, they, they go up at the top of the oculus and they drop uh, rose petals. Are you familiar with that? No. Oh, yeah. Every Pentecost, they've been doing it since, uh, since uh, Christianity was legalized. I'm curious to know if what they drop on Ascension Thursday from the oculus, that big hole at the top of the Pantheon. 
There you go. There you go. Yeah, I think I think we should do more of that. I think that would be so great. I think that would be so great. Definitely. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, it goes on. It says, in the liturgies, generally the day is meant to celebrate the completion of the work of our salvation, the pledge of our glorification with Christ and his entry into heaven with our human nature glorified. But yeah, we definitely should talk a little bit more about Pentecost when that comes up in 10 days and uh, th- those traditions, because the rose petal tradition is a beautiful tradition. And now that I'm yes. thinking about it, I think I have seen that before. I think I have seen that. Yeah, uh, you, you see the big hole, the sunlight shining through, and you can see as the petals falling in, the, you can see the little hands throwing them out, but inside the Pantheon, you can see the petals just, it, when they f- fall down, they're, they're, they're going left to right, left to right as they're falling down, and it's just glancing off the sunlight. It is gorgeous, and right in the center, the rose petals start filling, covering the ground in red. Yeah, they need to, uh, we need to do things like that in America. I know it's yes. done in the East Coast. On the East Coast, I know some of the older churches still do that, like uh, St. John Cantus in Chicago still does things like that. But I don't know of any churches in uh, in Texas that does it. I don't know of any churches generally in the South. Maybe maybe Louisiana has some things like that. But it's good to have these things that kind of separate the time. And I think these ideas yes. are things that we should definitely keep in mind and start to implement. Maybe talk to our pastor like, okay, how can we implement these ideas in our daily lives, because we want to sacralize these feast days that are so important to us, that are, that are they are kind of a big deal, and they are kind of a lost, they're lost traditions. Yeah, resourcement, big time. So another thing that I think is interesting is this: these two articles by the New Liturgical Movement, and they're actually both written by uh, Dr. Foley, Dr. Michael Foley. He's uh, excellent, excellent, and he has two articles, one on the prayers for Ascension Thursday, but also on the customs of Ascension Thursday. And so I want to start this and kind of pitch this a little bit before we jump into it in further detail. But one thing that I want to start with is that these prayers are something that we should meditate upon and not just kind of see and try to just let kind of just, we kind of just, we kind of become numb to the prayers. We hear them and they go in one ear and out the other. But these prayers are so ancient are so beautiful that they should lift our minds to God. And we fail to do so many times. And I think that's a great loss that we have. So I want to to say I want to focus on that aspect of it as well. So we're going to talk about the collect of Ascension Thursday. We're going to go to a quick break. When we come back, we're going to be discussing this and much more here on Catholic Drive Time. Plus, in the next hour, there's going to be no game show. Instead, we're going to read the Sermon of St. Vincent Ferrer, on his sermon on the ascension so all this and more coming up here on catholic drive time don't go anywhere and we are going to have so much more on this wonderful feast day of ascension and make sure you make it to mass today i'd be so grateful Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Can you really say you know what praying the rosary is all about? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, listen to the who's who of the rosary. We have the Blessed Trinity. We have the Angel Gabriel. We have the Virgin Mary. We have John the Baptist. And we have Elizabeth. So how's that for a cast of sacred ones? Secondly, reflection. While saying the rosary, we reflect on 20 primary and sacred moments that occur in the lives of the Holy Family. 
And thirdly, the rosary dynamics. Here's how you involve this cast of holy ones in praying the rosary. You first invoke the three persons of the Blessed Trinity. Then, on to praying the Apostles' Creed. Then you will pray in Our Father. Then you will recite the angel Gabriel's words to Mary. Then you'll recite what Mary said to Elizabeth. And then you will relive John the Baptist being filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb. Then you will ask for Mary's assistance in your life. And I'm so glad to say none of that is idolatry. Hey, Donnie, what are the mysteries that we pray on the rosary? Glorious, luminous, joyful, and sorrowful. There you go. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. Drive time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today on this Ascension Thursday. Now, so much to talk to you about. Talk about Ascension Thursday. The collect for Ascension Thursday, a beautiful, beautiful collect. I'm going to read to you this article of newliturgicalmovement.org talking about the collect. And you're maybe thinking, what's that? What's that prayer? The collect is the prayer that collects the petitions of the faithful and gives them and rises them up to God. Now here, Dr. Foley puts them here, Concede quesimus omnipotens Deus, qui ordinaria dia unigensum tuum redemptorum nostrum acelus ascendise credimus ipse quoque mente in celestibus habendmus periundum dominum nostrum Jesum Christum filium tuum et renum in unitate spiritum, I forget. The, but in English... In English, he translates. Uh, he leaves the translation here. Grant, we beseech thee, Almighty God, that we who believe thine only begotten Son, our Redeemer, to have this day ascended into heaven, may ourselves dwell in mind amidst the heavenly things. Do the same, our Lord Jesus Christ, thy Son, who lives and reigneth with you in the unity of the Holy Ghost, who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. Now, there's a couple things that are interesting about this collect. Grant, we beseech the Almighty God, that we who believe thine only begotten Son, our Redeemer, to have this day ascended into heaven. Think about that. This day, today, Ascension Thursday, our Lord ascended into heaven. Forty days after the resurrection, he ascended into heaven. Forty days ago from today was Easter Sunday. And this day we believe that our Lord ascended into heaven. May ourselves dwell in mind amidst heavenly things. So we think our Lord is in heaven. And so our minds may also dwell in heaven with him. Now, Dr. Foley talking about this, he says, it is this petition that I find particularly interesting. The colic draws a natural parallel between our Lord's rising up to heaven and our own mental dwelling in heavenly things. But it also seems to be a refusal to heed the reprimand in the epistle reading of the day when two angels gently rebuke the disciples for staring up to heaven after Jesus ascended into heaven. Ye men of Galilee, why stand you looking up to heaven? This Jesus who is taken from you into heaven shall so come. 
so as you have seen him going into heaven. Now, here is a, uh, a little recording of that chant. You may be able to hear it. It's them singing. It's singing, Ye men of Galilee, why stand you looking up to heaven? This Jesus who is taken up from you into heaven shall so come as you have seen him going into heaven. Now, the tension is resolved by the qualifier in mente, the sense in which we do not need to wait until the other side of the grave to get to the heavenly things. We can dwell among them right now, even in the midst of this valley of tears. Where, you may ask? Where can I go that we can have our minds on, on heavenly things? Well, we can clearly do so with our will and our mind. We cannot have a total immersion in heavenly things until we get to heaven, properly speaking, but we can have mental peace and mental nourishment, thanks be to God, despite everything else. This beautiful sentiment foreshadows the golden sequence that we will hear and sing on Pentecost, where the Holy Spirit is addressed with the following, In labor you are rest. The Holy Spirit is not rest after labor, but rest in the midst of labor. A cool breeze during hard, sweltering work. God is consoling us right now, not taking away all our woes, but providing refreshment as they happen. While we work through the entanglements of this world, we remain free, dwelling with the high and enjoying a foretaste of the total bliss which is to come. And so even though there is no profit to be gained from staring at an empty sky, there is much profit to be gained from ruminating on a higher realm filled with that meaning. Understandably, then, sacred scripture exhorts us to seek the things that are above, for our citizenship is in the heavens. Our sacred authors are not the only ones to see the value of dwelling amidst the heavens. After concluding that the just city is impossible on earth, Plato's Republic adds a note of hope from the mouth of Socrates. But in heaven, perhaps a pattern is laid up for the man who wants to see and found a city within himself on the basis of what he sees. It doesn't make any difference whether it is or will be somewhere, for he would mind the things of this city alone and no other. For Socrates, it does not matter whether the heavenly archetype exists or not, so long as it inspires the proper instantaneous instantation of justice in one's life. Politically, the just city can only exist in words, but personally, Perhaps it can exist in one's soul. The Gospels, on the other hand, boldly proclaims that the Logos is not just a word, but the word made flesh. When St. Paul writes that our citizenship is in the heavens, could it be that he had the Republic on his mind? Perhaps. But either way, the key takeaway is that we participate here and now in a real city of God that we should keep our minds oriented accordingly. A very beautiful meditation on the collect on Ascension Thursday from Michael Foley. If you want to hear that in real life, well, you're going to have to attend a traditional Latin Mass today. That's the only place you'll probably be able to hear that today. And the most uh, parishes have moved Ascension Thursday to Sunday. But if you would like to hear it, you are welcome to by going to uh, look up 
Latin Mass Finder, and you can find a Latin Mass near you. Yeah, Lat latinmass.org. It's early in the day, so you have you, you can still attend. It's still early in the morning. Yeah, typically, typically they have them at what seven p.m. That's typically the normal time most yeah. people have them. Yeah, five to seven. Yeah, so ch check that out today. Find out if there is a Latin Mass near you that's celebrating Ascension Thursday, and then head over there and see those things for yourself, and you can witness it. And I'd be curious to know what you think. It's a very beautiful thing, a very wonderful thing. Now, there's this other article by, by the same author, Dr. Foley. Now, here he has a number of things, but I want to skip ahead, and maybe if we have time, I want to come back to this. But I want to start off with the customs, because I was unaware that there were so many customs associated with Ascension Thursday. We just kind of don't, we don't really do anything for Ascension Thursday. It's just another day, and that's sad. We should have some customs. So here's some ideas. Pageantry. The Ascension was originally the occasion of long processions that started in the city, exited through the gates, and culminated at the top of a hill, just as Jesus Christ led the apostles towards Bethany. Jerusalem, Rome, and Constantinople all had their preferred routes and destinations. So here's an idea. Maybe it's not a good idea to do a procession through the entire city. I mean, if you live somewhere like Houston, Dallas, San Antonio, Austin, somewhere big like that, might not be possible. However, maybe a procession around your church, maybe a procession up a hill, maybe a procession around your neighborhood. What can you do? Don't think, well, I can't do the, uh, the big thing, so I can't do anything. Think of small things. What small things? Maybe if there's nothing going on at home or at, at your parish, do something at home. Maybe do a little procession, a rosary procession around your neighborhood, around your house. Something to get the kids involved. There's some ideas. Over time, the processions waned and were replaced by pageants, less liturgical or non-liturgical reenactments of Christ ascending into heaven. The pageant would be simple as a priest raising a crucifix when he read during the proclamation of the gospel, the verse, Assumptus est in celum. He was taken up into heaven. Such was the custom in Germany. More often than not, full-fledged pageants were performed after Mass, but still in the church, in churches with a hole in the ceiling, a statue of Jesus would be hoisted up by the ropes and disappear from sight as the people below raised their hands longingly towards it. Now, what about some ideas for food? It was a custom in Europe to eat fowl on the great feast of the Ascension because Christ flew to heaven, so they would eat fowl or birds. Bird or not? I thought it was duck. Uh, I think fowls are just any kind of bird, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, here, they list specifically, they say pheasants, partridges, pigeons, and even crows found their way to the dinner table. <laughs> Yummy. Eat, eat crow. <laughs> so they literally, <laughs> quite literally, ate crow. There you go. Let's see. He goes on and said, so what does it mean to eat crow on Ascension Thursday? Perhaps this is what the other apostles served to St. Thomas to needle him about his earlier doubts concerning the resurrection. In any event, bakers in the Western Germany picked up the, the Vulcran theme and made far more delicious pastries for the occasion in the shape of various birds. Well, that's interesting. So maybe uh, you're like, you know, I don't want to eat a fowl. How about I uh, bake a cookie in the shape of a bird instead? Hmm. Interesting. Yummy. Interesting. And he says here, finally, there is the first fruits tradition of Ascension Thursday. In some parts of France, apple fritters are a popular choice. He goes here further. Do's and don'ts. The English once kept this day with games, dancing, and horse races while in Central Europe. The idea was to picnic on a high place by hiking there. 
Mountain climbing was therefore a yes, but swimming was a big no-no. You're more likely to drown on Ascension Thursday than on any other day of the year. Similar misfortunes awaited anyone who on this holy day worked in a field or garden or sewed anything for any clothing that had been touched by a needle. On the Ascension will attract lightning and kill the wearer. Such superstitions are believed to be residues of old pagan fears about demons of death who roam the earth this time of year. At the very least, these silly beliefs point to something true that is easily forgotten in our own day, an age of frenetic work and movable feasts, and namely that the Ascension is one of the most important events of the year. If it is important enough to attract the attention of devils, it should be important enough to attract our attention as well and celebrate it with great solemnity, reverence, and joy. Keep holy the ascension. Take off work if you can. Assist at mass even if your diocese has transferred the feast to Sunday. Climb a mountain. Eat a bird. And avoid bodies of water. That there concludes his article. I think that's really interesting. Go for a hike. That's an interesting suggestion. Uh, maybe something to do if you have your significant other, your girlfriend, boyfriend, your husband, your wife. Now it makes sense that Hawaii doesn't celebrate Ascension Thursday. They don't want to swim. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So here are some ideas for you for Ascension Thursday. That's going to do it for the first hour. When we come back, our probably our best guest we've ever had is going to be on. Yeah, St. Vincent Ferrer. Yeah, St. Vincent. Okay, well, I'm not. he's actually not going to be on. But we're going to read St. Vincent Ferrer's sermon on the Ascension. So if you want to hear an amazing sermon on the Ascension, you're going to want to tune in for the next hour where we talk with St. Vincent Ferrer about the Ascension. All this coming up next on Catholic Drive Time. Stay with us. We'll be right back after this. There was no single event. It was more gradual. You know, eventually you just don't go one Sunday and then you don't go two Sundays in a row. Then went through a divorce and um, ended up being a single parent. If I didn't have church or God, I, I, I would be back at that lonely stage, that trouble stage. Whenever you get anxious and worry about things, you just know that Jesus has it under control. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for any reason, visit catholicscomehome.org. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. When determining specific moral truths, most Christian churches say they use the Bible, so it's safe to say that they have agreement on doctor-assisted suicide, abortion, contraception, and embryonic stem cell therapy. Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a challenge for you. Speak with the five closest non-Catholic church pastors near to where you live. Inquire if they only use the Bible to determine their church stances on these issues. Secondly, my findings, there are some similarities on abortion, but varied with two key exemptions. No common stance on embryonic stem cell therapy, contraception was accepted by all, and no across-the-board agreement on doctor-assisted suicide. And thirdly, my comeback. Should these social issues of life really be determined through individual conviction? Well, maybe we should just leave the determinants of salvation up for grabs also. Remember, the ones Jesus called the least of these will always be in grave danger if their existence is left up to individual conviction. Finally, check the very stance of the Catholic Church on these weighty issues. It's impressive. Hey, Donnie, what are the two most important things we receive at Mass? Adding Christmas scripture. That's right. All right, one more. Who loves you the most? Jesus. That's right. Mary. That's right. <laughs> they love us too. If you don't educate your children in the faith... 
Who will? Educate yourself and your family by listening daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network. And make sure to get the GRN app by logging online to grnonline.com. Celebrating the culture of life. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. from St. Edward Youth Group and you're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston part of the Guadalupe Radio Network radio for your soul Ferrer, do you know him? have you heard of this man St. Vincent Ferrer one of the greatest saints who ever lived in my opinion he was a Dominican friar which gives him a little bit of a boost and if you ask me here he gives a uh, sermon on the Feast of the Ascension, and today being the Feast of the Ascension, I figured it would be a great opportunity to bring this sermon to you. And if we have time, we'll give some comments about it, talk a little bit about it. Shouldn't take us too, too long, but it's a beautiful thing nonetheless to get through. Now, here he's commenting on the epistle. Normally, uh, most people comment on the gospel, right? The, the sermon tends to be that. But he is commenting on Acts chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. So let me read that to you first. Acts chapter 1, verse 9 through 11. And when he had said these things, while they looked up, he was raised up. And a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they were beholding him going up to heaven, behold, two men stood by them in white garments, who also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand you looking up to heaven? This Jesus who is taken up from you into heaven shall so come, as you have seen him going into heaven. Thus ends the epistle. Now here he talks about this passage. He says, while they looked up, he was raised up. Now this is interesting. One thing you have to know about the medieval sermon, because he wrote this uh, shortly after the life of St. Thomas Aquinas, I think it was the 14th century when Vincent Ferrer lived, if I'm not mistaken, they, what they do is they pick a little verse from the passage, and they use that as a mnemonic device to try to teach and so you can help remember the passage. So here's the passage that he wants you to think about. He wants you to remember, while they looked on, he was raised up. So if you can just memorize one thing, memorize this. While they looked on, he was raised up. So he says here, this text is found in the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 1. And it is offered in today's epistle. Today is the solemnity of the wonderful ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ, when having completed the work of our redemption, he ascended from this world into heaven openly before the Virgin Mary and the apostles and disciples. Our sermon will be about the blessed ascension but first, let us hail the Virgin Mary. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. For the fundamental declaration of this text and the introduction of the material, it must be known that our Lord Jesus Christ in the life which he had in this world observed such an order and manner of living in his work that some works he chose to do secretly and hidden, others publicly and openly, and this for two reasons. First, for our instruction, 
that we might do our good works in secret so as to flee vain glory. Like a man hides his treasures, so good works ought to be hidden. Authority, take heed that you do not yet you do not your justices before men to be seen by them. Otherwise you will have your reward of your father who is in heaven. Matthew 6, 1. The second reason is that God, the father be praised and blessed by those deeds, which he did publicly and openly. We are instructed that the good, which we do publicly like preaching or celebrating and others, which cannot happen secretly be for the praise and honor and glory of God. Therefore, he himself said, so let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father who is in heaven. See why Christ in his life did some work secretly and hidden and some publicly and openly. Now, one thing that I think about whenever St. Vincent talks about this is the fact that people will often all the time say, oh, we shouldn't do processions. Oh, no public square rosary rallies. Oh, none of these things because they should be secret. Because we should keep them hidden. We shouldn't talk about them. We don't want to brag. But our Lord tells us there are some things that need to be hidden. We do it in the silence of our hearts that we not receive joy from men. But other things, he says, let your light shine before men. And so it's okay. In fact, it is in fact a good. It is an obeying of the commandments of God to go out and do our good works so others may see it. The, in, the intention of your heart is what matters. So do not be filled with vainglory, is what St. Vincent Ferrer is telling us. Now here he goes on and says, For example, the first work which Christ did in this world for our redemption was his blessed incarnation in the womb of the Virgin. Like the seed which is formed within the apple, which is hidden because no human person but the Virgin Mary knew, according to the prophecy of David, he shall come down like rain upon the fleece, and as showers falling gently upon the earth. So says the psalmist in Psalm 71, 6, Give to the king thy judgment, O God. The second work was his birth, and this was public and manifest because Christ wished to be born in a village that all might see him. The angels sang in the air, and the animals adored him in the manger. The star led the kings immediately, and night seemed as day according to the prophecy. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light to them that dwelt in the region in the shadow of death. Light is risen. The third work was the work of his everyday life. Some of his works were hidden, some manifest. He lived about 30 years at the home of Joseph and the Virgin Mary, his mother. He was not working miracles, nor was his divinity known, although all people knew him to be a chaste man, holy and good. But not all considered him to be the Lord, because his divinity was hidden. According to the prophecy of Isaiah, Truly you are a hidden God, the God of Israel, the Savior. But in his baptism he wished to be public and manifest. For the heaven was seen to be open, and the Holy Spirit in the image of a dove descended on him. And a voice of the Father sounding, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And then John started to say, Behold the Lamb of God, behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Then he immediately went into the desert and experienced a Lent, neither eating nor drinking anything in those 40 days. And this work was a secret work, giving, giving to us the example of doing secretly penance, fasting, prayers, almsgiving, and such. Finally, he left the desert and began publicly to preach to the whole people. 
So he said before Ananias, I have spoken openly to the world. I have always taught in the synagogue and in the temple, whither all the Jews resort, and in secret I have spoken nothing. Another work was hidden, namely his transfiguration in which he revealed his divinity. This he wished to be secret, because none of the disciples was there but Peter, James, and John, whom he commanded, Tell the vision to no man, till the Son of Man be risen from the dead. Another work he wished to be public, namely the working of miracles, curing the sick, raising the dead. Therefore he himself said, The works themselves which I do give testimony of me. Another hidden work was the sacrament of the altar, which he said, For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. And his sorrowful passion was a public work, according to the prophecy, speaking in the person of Christ, O all ye that pass by the way, attend, and see if there be any sorrow like to my sorrow. Another hidden work was his glorious resurrection, because neither the Virgin Mary nor others saw him rising. But immediately there followed a public and manifest work, namely his glorious ascension. Because the Virgin Mary and 70 disciples, the apostles and holy women, and all there were about 120, and all saw him ascend. Therefore he said, I go to him that sent me. And none of you ask me, where are you going? About which the gloss of beads says, as if openly he said, I return by sending to him who constituted me to be incarnated. And it shall be so clear the brightness of his ascension that none of you will find it necessary to ask, where are you going? Because to all witnessing, I shall go to heaven. And this is our theme. While they look on, namely the Virgin Mary, the apostles and disciples, to the eyes of the public and openly, he was raised up. See how the first work of our redemption was secret and hidden and the last public and manifest. Of the middle works, some were hidden, some manifest. About this glorious ascension, I wish now to preach to you three points in which the entire matter of this feast is founded. First is the theological reason why this ascension was expedient. Second, the historical details, how it was fitting. And third is the ultimate utility which resulted from this ascension. Now, before I go on, I want to bring up the fact that the medieval sermon is just so excellent. We should encourage our priest to uh, model this because here he sets up the situation. He gives us a verse that he wants us to memorize. While they looked on, he was raised on. He was raised up. Then he gives us the three takeaways. He says, okay, these are the three points that I want to cover here. So keep your mind attuned to that. First, the theological reason why the ascension was expedient. Second, the historical details, how it was fitting. And third is the ultimate utility which resulted from the ascension. All these things, very, very important. And I appreciate the way that the uh, St. Vincent Ferrer and traditionally the medieval sermon, how they delivered this. So we, we begin with the theological point, the theological reason. The first theological reason why the ascension of Christ was expedient is founded in this rule of philosophy saying, everything ardently loved draws to itself the heart and thoughts 
of the one loving. Just as the vapors of the earth are drawn up by the heat of the sun, and similarly the flame in a lamp gradually draws to itself all the oil, so a person ardently loved draws the one loving to themselves. For thinking about them in his heart, for speaking with them the mouth, for seeing with the eye, because such is the nature of love. That's very interesting to me. He gives the example here of a, of a lamp drawing the oil, the oil, the fire that seeks to consume the oils. And so too in our lives, we notice this with love, right? We are drawn to the one that we love. And the one we love is drawn to us, presumably if it's reciprocal love, obviously. And so here he's going to make the same analogy to our Lord. Where we store our treasure, where we store our love, it'll draw us to them and them to us. And notice here he says in three ways. He says that this love is drawn in three ways, namely in the heart, in the mind. He says thinking about them in his heart, so the mind and heart, he's linking those together. Speaking them with their mouth, so you're speaking with the mouth, and seeing with the eye. And all these things, he says, is in accordance with love. Now he goes on here, although this be true, nevertheless, I shall give you the authority of Christ, saying, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also, Luke twelve thirty four, Because the apostles, the other disciples, most ardently loved the bodily presence of Christ. And no wonder, because he was overwhelmingly lovely, because of the sweetness of his words, and of gracious conversation, and in other ways. Therefore, as long as Christ was on earth, many were impeded from the delight in and reception of heavenly goods. They didn't bother to elevate their hearts or desire to heaven. Christ said, I shall make you raise your heart and understanding and your thoughts on high because I shall ascend to heaven. Therefore, after the ascension, their whole heart and desire and thoughts were raised on high. Now, this saying is very beautiful because our Lord goes up into heaven. And in heaven, our hearts will be united if they're united with Christ. It's a kind of, like, can you think about it as a, as a life hack? You see, it's a life hack. How do you always think of heaven? How do you keep your mind, your will, and your heart in heaven? By setting it on Christ. For if Christ and his body is in heaven, and you love with your whole heart and soul and mind and voice our Lord Jesus Christ, then so too will all of that be in heaven with him. When we come back, we are not playing our game show, Fear and Trembling. We're going to finish the sermon of St. Vincent Ferrer because it's a pre-recorded show today, so no fear and trembling game show, which means tomorrow is a great chance for you to win less comp competition. So call in tomorrow, but today, serving a St. Vincent Ferrer when we come back. I had known about the station for a long time, but I have to confess, I never tuned in. Perhaps I was biased, but then that changed, actually. Once I started listening, I, I, I kept the dial where it was at. I like Teresa Tamio and Al Crest, and I just like their personalities. Call the Communion with Dr. Dave Anders and uh, Mortal Life with Pop Checks. I really, really love the show. I've learned a lot. But you know, also, I, I really like there's prayers interspersed. I get a lot more praying done in the day that I wouldn't otherwise. We want to support the radio station for sure. 
the Guadalupe Radio Network, Catholic Radio, radio for your soul. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Since you may not agree that the New Testament came to us through the oral tradition of the apostles, how do you believe it did come to us? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a language aid. In Latin, the word tradition is a verb, not a noun. It's the act of handing over. Handing over what? Handing over the faith. You see, capital T tradition continues to answer the questions the Bible doesn't explicitly answer. For example, you've noticed that contraception or doctor-assisted suicide and many other crucial human topics are not laid out in the Bible. Secondly, analogous to baseball, the totality of baseball has been handed on to each generation. This is very different than just the small T tradition of saying not flipping the bat after hitting a home run. And thirdly, in case you're trying to rid church traditions to be non-traditional, just know that capital T tradition is what got you to Jesus. Drop kicking small religious traditions to be considered non-traditional is like the dog chasing his tail. His task is never fruitless and thoroughly silly. Hey Donnie, in what gospel do we find the Hail Mary prayer? The gospel of Luke. Do we worship Mary? No. What do we do? Ask her to pray for us. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. We're reading the Sermon of St. Vincent Ferrer. If you were tuning in for the game show, that'll be back tomorrow morning. Today is a day off because it is the great feast of the Ascension, a holy day of obligation. So if you can, make it to Holy Mass today. If it's a requirement for your diocese, then you have to go to Mass today. It's a mortal sin if you don't. But most dioceses has moved it to Sunday. But if you would like... I highly recommend attending the traditional Latin Mass today where it will, in fact, still be the Feast of the Ascension. And so you can do that today. Check it out. Just look up a Latin Mass finder and you can find a local Latin Mass near you. Now, we're picking up where we were left off on the Sermon of St. Vincent Ferrer. He says here, See now the reason why it was expedient, not only for the apostles and disciples, but also for us that he ascended, because no one would have cared about heaven but rather where on earth Christ would have been. He himself gives the reason, saying to the apostles who are weeping over his departure, but I tell you the truth. It is expedient to you that I go, for if I go not, the paraclete will not come to you. About which the gloss of beads says, it is expedient for you that you that the form of the servant be withdrawn from your sight to the extent that the love of divinity might more ac- acutely be imprinted on your hearts. It is clear the reason for this blessed ascension. Morally, in the moral sense of scripture, we have here a case of arguing from the minor premise. If the apostles were impeded from the reception of spiritual graces because of their love of Christ, what shall it be for us miserable ones who do not so ardently love Christ like the apostles, but rather the transitory goods of this world, namely riches, honor, offices, dignities, dignities, delight to the flesh, which do not permit us to elevate our understanding on high, but lower in earthly business. See how we are impeded from the reception of spiritual blessings and graces. For this reason, the goods of the world ought to be loved with the salt of temperance. That is to say, the riches of this world should be loved in such a way that, they, that because of them, 
we don't lose the incorruptible riches of paradise, which never fail. The same for honors. So from love of them, we don't lose the honors of paradise. Oh, what an honor it is to be in the company of the holy angels and archangels and more, and to be with the patriarchs, etc. The same for offices and dignities. The same for the delights of this world. So from the delights of beast, we don't lose the delights and honors and delectations of angels and saints. If you have a good wife, or if a woman have a good husband, you ought to love them moderately, lest from love of them the love of God in your heart might be diminished. Same for the love of children, and so of all the rest. Authority, love not the world, supply too much, nor the things which are in the world. For all that is in the world is the concupiscence of the flesh. See here the sin of lust and the concupiscence of the eyes, and here the sins of avarice, and the pride of life, and here the sin of pride from honors, offices, etc. 1 John 2, 15-16. Historical details. As to the second point, namely the historical details, how the ascension is fitting. We know the reason why he ascended. We shall now see how he ascended. After the resurrection, he did not wish to ascend to heaven immediately, but he wished to remain in the world for 40 days, that he might prove his resurrection through many arguments, and that he might instruct and teach the apostles. And on the 40th day after his resurrection, he wished to ascend to heaven. For this reason, today he appeared twice to the apostles. Of the first apparition, the gospel speaks. Of the second, today's epistle. And Jesus appeared to the eleven disciples as they were at table, and greeting them in his usual way, saying, Peace be to you. And he told them that today he wished to ascend to heaven, by which he completed the whole work of our redemption. Hearing this, the apostles began to weep. Christ said, If you loved me, you would be indeed glad because I go to the Father. Lord, we rejoice at your honor, but we are saddened because you leave us orphans. Because of our sadness, we unable to eat. So out of love of them, Christ ate so that they might eat. And eating together with them and commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but should wait for the promise of the Father. They all got up from the table and in procession went out to Mount of Olives according to what Jesus said. This is the reason why the procession is held in many places. Notice here he's talking about the processions we were talking about in the last hour, because this is happening in, in the life of St. Vincent Ferrer. He said, this is the reason why this procession is held in many places. When they arrived on the mount, Christ visibly appeared to them, saluted his mother, and all the others saying that he wished to ascend to heaven to the Father. The Virgin Mary, who sensed the presence of the saints, who were to ascend with Christ, said to her son with tears, that if he pleased, she would ascend with him. Christ, drying her tears, said, Blessed Mother, you shall remain in my place. You shall comfort my apostles. And because of the wisdom which I shall give you, you will destroy heresies which arise. Because of this, it is said of the Virgin Mary, Rejoice, O Virgin Mary! You alone have destroyed all heresies in the whole world. Antiphon in the little office of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Now notice here, this is not in Scripture. So where does St. Vincent get this? He gets it from tradition, but also, I would not be surprised if he was told this by Our Lady herself, because he had many, many visions. But he never, uh, he never talks about them, though. He kind of just says, oh, yeah, here's an idea. But, or an alocution. But yeah, exactly. We all know. We all know. We all know the truth. 
And here he goes on, he says, And the apostles asked that they might ascend with him, lest he leave them orphans. He said, Going therefore, teach ye all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all the things whatsoever I have commanded you. I will not leave you orphans. Behold, I am with you, namely in the sacrament of the altar, all days, even to the consummation of the world. Finally, Mary Magdalene said to him, O Lord, I was a great baroness, and now I am a pauper. Therefore, please, may I send with you. And Christ said, You shall be the companion of my mother. When Jesus was raised off the ground and began to ascend to the apostles, the apostles asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? Lord, will you come quickly to give the rain to Israel? Christ responded, It is not for you to know the times or moments which the Father has put in his own power, but you shall receive the power of the Holy Ghost coming upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem. No, it is not for you to know the definite day of judgment, but we can say definitely soon, very soon. When he was already ascending, they looked up at him and said, Lord, give us a blessing. And lifting up his hands, he blessed them. Just as the priest after Mass gives a blessing to the people. Think about that when you're at Mass today. When you go to Holy Mass today, think about the fact that our Lord looked down upon them and gave them a blessing in the same manner in which the priest after Mass blesses the people. So you can imagine them all kneeling down and receiving that blessing. Very beautiful. Now here he says, Then a cloud received him out of their sight. Not that he needed to ascend, but to show that every creature is subject to him. David said of God, the Father, you have subjected all things under his feet. When, however, Christ was in heaven, he ascended quickly because the apostles no longer could see him. He sent two angels to the apostles still gazing up to heaven, who said to them, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up to heaven? Then Jesus, who is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come, as you have seen him going into heaven. Behold the historical details about how this blessed ascension was fitting, and how he ascended and sits at the right hand of God, and the prophecy of Isaiah was fulfilled. I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and elevated, and his train filled the temple. Then the apostles and disciples, adoring, went back into Jerusalem with great joy. And they were always in the temple, praising and blessing the Lord. Morally here, when it's said adoring, we have an example and a moral instruction about going to church and keeping the feast days with joy, closing our temporal businesses as Christ rested on the day of resurrection, and they, the feast, are kept perfectly. As it is hinted when it is said, they were always in the temple, that is, perfectly. Indeed, your goods grow more from observing a feast well than from your labors. That means by keeping holy the Sabbath and all the feasts, you will give more reward in your, in your labor than if you had worked instead. Continuing, it says, Third, they are kept with a devout mind, when it is said, praising and blessing God, namely with silence, hearing Mass. Let there be at church humble and devout entries. Let quiet conversation happen in them, pleasing to God, tranquil for onlookers. This is said against those who talk in church. Oof, oof. That's rough. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Vincent calling out people talking in church. Now, finally here, he says, ultimate utility. As to the third point and the last point here, namely the ultimate utility resulting from this, from the ascension, 
this utility or fruit, he himself declares, saying, In my father's house there are many mansions. If not, I would have told you, because I go to prepare a place for you. And if I shall go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. See here the ultimate utility resulting. Now that the many mansions are the nine order of angels, which John calls streets. And the streets of the city were pure gold, as it were, transparent glass. The first order, or first street, immediately upon entry to the heavenly Jerusalem is that of the holy angels. The second of the archangels, the third, principalities, fourth, powers, fifth, virtues, sixth, dominions, seventh, thrones, eighth, cherubim, ninth, seraphim. Christ has repaired these mansions, therefore, he said, I go to prepare a place for you. Note the great humility of Christ. Kings most often send out nuncios and shield bearers to repair the place. But Christ, the King of glory, wished to go himself to prepare a place for us. There can here be an argument to the contrary, since Christ said, Come, you blessed of my Father, possess you the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. How can he then say, I go to prepare a place for you? Now, much more can be said here. And unfortunately, we're out of time. So if you're going to have to look up the Sermon of St. Vincent Ferrer to finish it and read it yourself. But notice here that this great Feast of the Ascension is today. And that we have an opportunity to rejoice and celebrate this great feast. So if you can make it to Holy Mass today, if it's a holy day of obligation, you got to go. If it's not, then it's a holy day of opportunity for you. Find a Latin Mass near you that is celebrating the Ascension and head over there for today. It'll be a beautiful time, I guarantee it. And meditate upon these things that St. Vincent has said to you today. When we come back next day, tomorrow, we have more Catholic Drive Time Live. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Thursday of the sixth week of Easter. This morning's Mass is being offered for all of our listeners on Guadalupe Radio Media and for those joining us online. Ye watchers and ye holy ones, bright seraphs, cherubim, and thrones, raise a glad strain, alleluia. Cry out, dominions, princedoms, powers, virtues, archangels, angel choirs. Alleluia, 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 alleluia. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. 
the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. Brothers and sisters, let us call to mind our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask Blessed Mary, ever Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Kyrie eleison. Kyrie eleison. Let us pray. O God, who made your people partakers in your redemption, grant we pray that we may perpetually render thanks for the resurrection of the Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his, life, with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome. He went to visit them, and because he practiced the same trade, stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. Every Sabbath he entered into discussions in the synagogue, attempting to convince both Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy came down from Macedonia, Paul began to occupy himself totally with preaching the word, testifying to the Jews that Christ was Jesus. When they, when they opposed him and reviled him, he shook off his garments and said to them, Your blood be on your heads. I am clear of responsibility. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. So he left there and went to a house belonging to a man named Titus Justus, a worshiper of God. His house was next to a synagogue. Crispus, the synagogue official, came to believe in the Lord, along with his, with his entire household, and many of the Corinthians who heard believed and were baptized. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord has revealed to the nations his saving power. The Lord, the Lord has, has revealed, revealed to the, the nations his, his saving, saving power. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done wondrous deeds. His right hand has won victory for him, his holy arm. The Lord, the Lord has, has revealed, revealed to the nations, the nations his, saving his saving power. The Lord has made his salvation known. In the sight of the nations, he has revealed his justice. He has remembered his kindness and his faithfulness toward the house of Israel. The Lord, the Lord has, has revealed, revealed to, to the, the nations his, his saving power. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation by our God. Sing joyfully to the Lord, all you lands. 
break into song, sing praise. The Lord has revealed to the nations his saving power. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. I will not leave you orphans, says the Lord. I will come back to you and your hearts will rejoice. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus said to his disciples, A little while, and you will no longer see me. And again, a little while later, and you will see me. So some of his disciples said to one another, What does this mean that he is saying to us, A little while, and you will not see me. And again, a little while, and you will see me. And, because I am going to the Father. So they said, what is this little while of which he speaks? We do not know what he means. Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him, so he said to them, Are you discussing with one another what I said? A little while and you will not see me, and again a little while and you will see me? Amen, amen, I say to you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve but your grief will become joy. The Gospel of the Lord. One of the things when we read the Gospel and the Word of God that we hear in Mass, we of course know we have the great benefit of hindsight. We know how the story goes. We know the story of salvation, of what Jesus did for us. And so when Jesus says today, a little while you will no longer see me, and then a little while later you will see me again, we know with the benefit of hindsight that Jesus is speaking about his death, when he will go down into the tomb, and then they'll see him again at his resurrection. The apostles, of course, did not have that benefit, and so they were left in a little bit of a shroud of mystery, wondering what it was that the Lord meant by that. First reading, we can see something similar. Again, with the benefit of hindsight, 2,000 late years later, we know that St. Paul is probably the greatest evangelist among human beings who's ever lived, an amazing saint who suffered for Christ and was an incredibly effective preacher of the word. But today we see a little bit of a different side of Paul in terms of some of the frustration that he had to deal with. Paul is traveling around, he's working as a tent maker to earn his keep, and then he is preaching in the synagogues. And we hear today that he is so frustrated that people are not listening and willing to follow Jesus that he says in a huff, your blood be on your heads. It's a sign of frustration that they were hard-hearted and not receiving the message. Again, we think of Paul as this incredible missionary, incredible preacher, which of course he was. But it can be easy to forget some of the day-to-day -day failures that he personally would have experienced and some of the frustration. 
Again, for us, when we read the gospel, we know how the story ends. We know what Jesus has done for us. But perhaps when we place ourselves inside of it, where we can definitely relate to what St. Paul and to what the apostles were going through in listening to Jesus, is that in our own life, we too have events and mysterious things which happen, where we may be tempted to say, Lord, why is this happening to me? I don't understand why this is occurring. And we too have this sense of a lack of understanding. Or perhaps we experience frustration as St. Paul did. We say, why aren't people listening to God more? Why don't they accept his word? And for us, it becomes a source of frustration. And we can be fed up and say, your blood be on your heads because you're not willing to listen to the word of God. I think here in that context for us, we are reminded that we are called to always trust and to have faith, to have hope, and to have charity in our hearts. We're not supposed to be able to understand all things. We're not supposed to be able to see all of the fruits of our labor. The fruits oftentimes come in times and places that we don't get to pick and sometimes in ways that we don't even get to see. But our call is to be faithful to the gospel, to be faithful to the proclamation of the same Jesus Christ from 2,000 years ago to today. And it's really in this fidelity that we find the source of our mission to be compelled forward, not because we want to see the fruits in front of us, which of course is always nice to see it, but we don't always get to, or because it means we'll understand everything, but rather to know in faith that our Heavenly Father is at work he is the one who is writing the story and leading to our salvation. And so we move forward in trust and hope. And so today, my brothers and sisters, as we go forward and perhaps have questions of our own, such as what is happening in the world now, what is happening even in our own church, let us too be reminded of our call to be faithful, to remember that we don't always get to see the fruits of our labors and to know that even in mysterious and challenging times, our call is always to trust in our Heavenly Father and to be faithful to his sacred word that we have received in Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters filled with paschal joy, let us pray more earnestly to God that he who graciously listened to the prayers and supplications of his beloved Son may now be pleased to look upon us in our lowliness. For the shepherds of our souls, that they may have the strength to govern wisely the flock entrusted to them by the Good Shepherd, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For the whole world, that it may truly know the peace given by Christ, let us pray to the Lord. Lord for our brothers and sisters who suffer, that their sorrow may be turned to gladness which no one can take from them. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For our own community, for those joining us on radio and online, that we may bear witness with great confidence to the resurrection of Christ. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for an increase in vocations to the sacred priesthood and religious life. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for an increase in faith and trust in our lives. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. 
for those intentions that we hold in our heart. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. O God, who know that our life in this present age is subject to suffering and need, hear the desires of those who cry to you and receive the prayers of those who believe in you through Christ our Lord. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, early in the morning our song shall rise to Thee. Holy, 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 merciful and mighty, God in three persons, blessed Trinity. Holy, 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 all the saints adore Thee, casting down golden crowns around the glassy sea. Cherubim and seraphim falling down before thee, which wert and art and evermore shall be. Amen. Pray, brothers and sisters, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May our prayers rise up to you, O Lord, together with the sacrificial offerings, so that, purified by your graciousness, we may be conformed to the mysteries of your mighty love through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, at all times to acclaim you, O Lord. But in this time, above all, to laud you yet more gloriously, when Christ our Passover has been sacrificed. Through him the children of light rise to eternal life, and the halls of the heavenly kingdom are thrown open to the faithful. For his death is our ransom from death, and in his rising, the life of all has risen. Therefore, overcome with paschal joy, every land, every people exalts in your praise. And even the heavenly powers with the angelic host sing together the unending hymn of your Glory as they acclaim. 
Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaho, Plenisun Celia Terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna, in you are indeed holy, O Lord, and all you have created rightly gives you praise. For through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power and working of the Holy Spirit, you give life to all things and make them holy. And you never cease to gather a people to yourself, so that from the rising of the sun to its setting, a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name. Therefore, O Lord, we humbly implore you by the same Spirit, graciously make holy these gifts we have brought to you for consecration, that they may become the body and blood of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, at whose command we celebrate these mysteries. For on the night he was betrayed, he himself took bread, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood the blood of the new and eternal covenant which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith When we eat this bread and drink this cup We proclaim your death, O Lord until you come again. Therefore, O Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the saving passion of your Son, his wondrous resurrection and ascension into heaven, and as we look forward to his second coming, we offer you in thanksgiving this holy and living sacrifice. Look, we pray, upon the oblation of your church, and recognizing the sacrificial victim by whose death you will to reconcile us to yourself. Grant that we who are nourished by the body and blood of your Son and filled with his Holy Spirit may become one body, one spirit in Christ. May he make of us an eternal offering to you so that we may obtain an inheritance with your elect, especially with the most blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with blessed Joseph, her spouse, with your blessed apostles and glorious martyrs, and with all the saints on whose constant intercession in your presence we rely for unfailing help. May this sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world. Be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth. With your servant Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, the order of bishops, all the clergy, and the entire people you have gained for your own. Listen graciously to the prayers of this family whom you have summoned before you. In your compassion, O merciful Father, gather to yourself all your children scattered throughout the world. To our departed brothers and sisters, and to all who are pleasing to you at their passing from this life, give kind admittance to your kingdom. 
There we hope to enjoy forever the fullness of your glory. Through Christ our Lord, through whom you bestow on the world all that is good. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. Preceptis salutaribis moniti, et divina institutione formati, audemus indicere, Pater Noster, qui es in celis, sanctifice tuur nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicut in celo et in terra, panem nostrum coditianum, da nobis hodie, et imite nobis debita nostra, Sicud et nos dimitimus, debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil, graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, you said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccatamundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccatamundi, Miserere nobis, Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccatamundi, dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God, behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. those who are unable to receive communion, those who are joining us online, please pray to meet with me the act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, 
come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Father, we thank Thee who hast planted Thy holy name within our hearts. Knowledge and faith and life immortal, Jesus, Thy Son, to us imparts. Thou, Lord, didst make all for thy pleasure, didst give man food for all his days, giving in Christ the bread eternal. Thine is the power, be thine the praise. Watch o'er thy church, O Lord, in mercy. Save it from evil, guard it still. Perfected in thy love, united, cleansed and conformed unto thy will. As grain one scattered on the hillsides Was in this broken bread made one So from all lands thy church be gathered Into thy kingdom by thy Son Let us pray. Almighty, ever-living God, who restore us to eternal life and the resurrection of Christ, increase in us, we pray, the fruits of this Paschal Sacrament, and pour into our hearts the strength of this saving food, through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go and announce the Gospel of the Lord. Thanks. Regina Celi, Laetare, Alleluia. Quia quem eruisti portare, Alleluia. Resurrexit, sicutixit, Alleluia. Ora pro nobis Deum, Alleluia. The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. 
prayer of deliverance. Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels, Saint Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. All Catholic, all the time. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. I'm Karina. And I'm Betsy. And, and we're, we're with Catholic.